Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. Welcome to the show. Today is Sunday, October 7, 2012, and my name is Steve. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Hamilton and Curtis. Hammy, how are you tonight, Hammy? Oh, Stevie, Stevie. <laughs> I'm... I'm better thank god the falcons won today um because it would have really been i mean there's no really making up for friday night but at least you know after georgia and the jackets yesterday and of course the abomination that was the braves game but the falcons had lost it really would have been there would have been no show sports talk in atlanta tomorrow morning would have just like collapsed upon itself it really would have collapsed Mm -hmm. except for that Kincaid guy probably would have taken a lot of pleasure in the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Kurt, how are you? Um, I'm okay. I've I've managed to get over it. I maybe it is the Falcons game. Um, yeah, for a while it was this weekend. I went and saw Hotel Transylvania, which is, you know, if Adam Sandler made a bad movie with his buddies except animated it that's kind of the way i felt like oh no kevin james david spade adam sandberg andy sandberg what's his name andy sandberg yeah, yeah. andy sandberg yeah they're all part of it i mean it, it was it was pretty average and um i tried to Boo talk Kurt. my son into seeing paranorman which i heard was great or frank and weenie but he wanted to see hotel transylvania and it was pretty average and then i got a flat tire so oh that that now that's the worst yeah Brand new tires, and it's it's not like a nail. It's it it blew out. So oh man, totally have to be replaced. So yeah, how's it? Yeah, bad karma. That's what you get for hating a good movie. That's what I get for rooting for the Braves and the Dogs. <laughs> Sorry, Braves and Dogs fans. I I know <laughs> you're really messing things up for yeah, people, Kurt. Totally. I've got to go back to hating all these teams, and they'll start winning again. <laughs> Steve, how are you? Uh, I am yeah. fine. I'm fine. So I'm going to expand into a music review, but very quickly. So I went uh, this past week. I saw Fiona Apple at the Tabernacle, which was really just one of the best shows I've seen in forever. And, are you serious? Um, oh from my a God. Ser- from a, like a sort of can't watch the car wreck great show? Or? No, no, she was great. I mean, she's insane. And it's, you know, writhing on the floor and banging on the piano top. You know, I mean, she's like a crazy person. And not, she never talked to the audience except for something. She took her shoes off and was like, look at my ugly feet. I mean, she just didn't talk to the audience, but it was just song after song. And it was either rocking or, like, incredibly emotional and painful. And it was just a great, great show. Wow. Seriously. And if if you like Fiona Apple, get her latest album because it is, I think, her best. Yeah, I was going to ask. She just put out a new album, and I was wondering how it With was. the crazy 18-word title and everything, and it is phenomenal. It really and is. she just got busted for having a bunch of hash in Texas, which is always the place to be caught. <laughs> to get busted with drugs. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. Um, 
All right, before we get started, everyone, please subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or Stitcher so that you don't miss a show. And join the Atlanta Baseball Talk group on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at ATL Baseball Talk. And check out our weekly blogs at AtlantaBaseballTalk.com. All right, guys, in tonight's show, we'll talk about the game, the one-game wild card travesty from all the angles. But first, let's break down the final regular season series in Pittsburgh. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Because some of those Lyle Overbay at-bats... I know. Let's talk about Jeff Baker. They they merit some conversation. (laughs) I want to ask one question, and and people got on me big time about this. Do you think that carried over at all? I mean, there was such a malaise about the way the Braves approached that series in Pittsburgh. I don't. And I I I mean, even the one game when they still... I know they had... It was a very very remote chance that they could win the division but they really seemingly and i you know people are like oh look at the lineup and all this kind of stuff i mean no it seemed very mailed in yeah i actually very we've got to rest guys and we got to get the bench going and this is our only opportunity to do it i I really i i I really had no problem with it yeah and there's no there somebody went back and ran the numbers and it actually is a myth that a hot team does well in the postseason like if you finish strong you have a better chance of doing well in the postseason it's the teams that finish cold and teams that finish hot have pretty much the same chance so and if the braves they can finish hot or cold and always lose in the postseason is that what the Uh, numbers they ran found out that is actually yes a sub study that they did found (laughs) that to be true uh uh, yeah all right guys so look let's start with where i think we can all agree the game was lost which was the sloppy play the errors the missed opportunities so which do you do you think were the most impactful? Hammy, where, where do you want to start? The errors. I mean, the, the it, just the, the errors, the errors, the missed opportunities. Our season was littered with those, and that was who we were, and I feel like we overcame those a lot. But we were the best team and defensive team in the National League all year, and all of a sudden three errors that led to three runs – or more, all the runs, um, not for Holiday's homer, but um, it, it, that, that was it. That's what undid us. And I think also, um, you know, I think Medlin was sort of unflappable, but you, that was too much to ask of him to get out of that inning after After Chipper's Chip was, there. After Chipper's there. I mean, having two second and third with nobody out. Um, that's Chipper's just, error was absolutely gruesome. It was such play. a pivotal moment in the game. I mean, you know, he, because he made an amazing play to field it. Like, that mm-hmm. was it was a real hot shot, and it was a great play to get it. And that should have just been two outs. I mean, the you know, Medlin was cruising. I remember, you know, I was freaking out all day. And then you see Medlin just mow him down in the top of the first. And I was like, we got this. I felt yep. so good after Medlin just looked in command in that first inning. But and that, then Ross had that homer, and it was and, like this and, is and our Hayward's game. catch in right field, especially since Yachty hit it. You know who we all hate, and who kills us? Yeah, who kills us? I mean, everything was going the Braves' way. Everything was going the Braves' way, and that turned the game. Yeah, and I feel like I mean, the the Ugla error was like I understand the Simmons error. I mean, I don't understand. You know, if he's not running in the base path, the base running error blunder. If he's not running in the base path, he's out anyway, right? I mean, so 
it's maybe even worse. So I don't, I don't think that 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 swung things. The Simmons error. It was a tough play. I mean, he rushed it. I think it would have been he hard. He rushed it because he bobbled the ball. He didn't field it cleanly. He fields right. that cleanly. The throw is probably better. It's better, but it's still a bang-bang play. The yeah, ugly thing sure. was just mind-boggling. Yeah, Mind. well, that's the thing. You know, I mean, uh, and I know I just said it, that, that Chippers was, was just, you know, egregious. But heading into the seventh, it's still only, only, it's still only four to two. Right, but that Ugla error leads to those, <clears throat> you know, the Ugla error and the Simmons error. I mean, they lead to those two runs. Uh, you know, six two. Of course, the tenor is so much different yeah. than four and, to two. And and something and Curtis, jump in here because we're. Um, I know you're just sort of re gouging your eyes out as you listen as you relive this, but um, you know the Venters. He seemed he could have. I feel like he could have made a play. Like he seemed clueless. Mm-hmm. Like oh wait, there's a runner coming home where he could have turned and maybe had a better chance of getting that guy out at home as well. Well, don't you think Venters was gun shy? Remember, sometime in September, there was you know he came in and he let a guy on, and then there was a bunt, and the guy you know it was like first and second, and they bunted, and. And Venters makes that wild throw to third to get the lead runner. And it gets past Chipper. And, I, you know, I feel like he was gun shy after that because it was a terrible decision then. And he's like, I can't, you know, I, 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 I can't make a gutsy play at this point. I've got to take the safe thing. I don't know. That, that, no. that flashed through my mind. No, I just thought he missed it. He was like two seconds late on realizing that there was probably a runner coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you may be right. I mean, I had no con. Well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Who you have confidence in in the postseason? And I never had confidence in Venters. Yeah, Curtis. Curtis. We're, so you know, chime in here. What What do you think was the worst here? What was the most impactful? Um, I, you know, I, I think it's got to be the chipper play. Um, and and I think that it honestly that's the most unfortunate thing, given that. He is done. I mean, that's the last game that he played, and and it really is his his play that the whole game turned on. And and you know the 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 scorecard will say that they have two earned runs out of that game, but to me they had one earned run. It was the it was the the holiday homer um, mm-hmm. because they scored that third run obviously in that inning, but it all hinges on him. Uh, Making that play. Not turning that double play. And, of mm-hmm. course, you can never take into consideration a double play and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, there's a, that, that to me, that's a double play. Um, the double comes after that, and then Molina grounds out, so the inning would have been over. I mean, obviously, nothing will ever play out exactly the way it should have. But, I mean, if you tell me that there's two outs and the guy gets a double, I'm betting 99 out of 100 times that Medlin does not let that guy score. And Medlin pitched great. I mean, you know, w- yep. w- overlooked in all this is that he really did pitch well. Um, and as did the whole pitching staff. I mean, you look at what happened at, through that game. You had, to me, again, one earned run and six hits. And somehow you lose the game six to three. So uh, it's just it's just, it's just, just amazing. I mean, the Braves always find a way to <laughs> contradict everything that they've done over the regular season. And I... I I, I forget where I, maybe it was on Facebook that I responded to someone about just how they fall into this, that, you know, like 
Hamilton said, this is the best fielding team in the National League all season long. And they give away all these unearned runs in the one-game playoff. The one thing they couldn't do when you have a guy like Medlin, all you got to do is field the ball when you have Medlin on the mound because you know he's going to keep you in a game. You know he's not going to give up a bunch of runs. And what do you do? You give them runs. But, I, you know, to, for the Cardinals' credit, which the Braves frankly didn't do, is the Cardinals took advantage of every single one of those opportunities. I mean, the Braves gave them extra outs, and every extra out we gave them, we paid for with runs being scored. The Braves had lots of chances that they uh, that they didn't take advantage of, and 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 of course that was a situation that was that lingered all the second half was the hitting with runners in scoring position. But um, yeah, it's just tough. And I, you know, I was at a game when Greg Maddox, who won what 15 Gold Gloves in a row or something like that, committed two errors in the same inning against the Diamondbacks in a game that we lost. So the Braves just have a knack for doing this stuff. And it's just that to me is the most frustrating thing out of all of it is that, you know, we look at these games and in the in the in the history of the Braves in the postseason and the, you know, and and Smoltz said it some years ago when they talk about, oh, well, the the Braves Twins series World Series was one of the greatest ever played, and the Astros Braves game was one of the most historic games ever played. And this is the first one game playoff ever played. Well, what's the theme in all of those? We always end up on the wrong side. We lost. We lost every single one of them, you know. And the Braves now this is the they're the last four do or die games that the Braves have played in. They are zero and four. They are zero and four, and they all happened at Turner Field. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, I, 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 sadly, I, I, I told Steve right before the show, I, it was, I'm sad how quickly I got over this. I was so mad Friday night. By Saturday morning, it was just another familiar chapter. feeling. Yeah, it's just another chapter in the history of being disappointed by the Braves. So, oh, I don't know. I, it, I just had such higher hopes this oh, season. Oh, of course I well, did. Oh my God, listen yeah. to our last show. Yeah. We were falling all over ourselves, but we all believed it. We absolutely thought we were going far. Guy, you know, my six-year-old's just been torturing me all weekend unintentionally going, so, Daddy, when do the Braves play tonight? Oh. You know, not quite getting what Friday night meant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Do you, do you, go ahead. Do you spank him just Yeah, no, he's bit. still in timeout. <laughs> My wife is doing a jig because she realizes that we have two shows left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, so to the Braves' credit and also to their discredit, you know, the, the, the game is falling apart all around them, but they still kept hitting. You know, they still kept creating opportunities inning after inning. But, of course, I mean, Kurt alluded to it, one in eight, you know, with men in scoring position, 12 men left on base. It really was that nightmare scenario that we saw and talked about a bunch throughout the season where lots of hits in a game but can't score a run. And, you know, we seemed to sort of figure that out and the pitching would, you know, keep us in it, but we never factored in the errors. I mean, we just couldn't do all that. We couldn't do all that bad stuff and have errors as well. No way you overcome that. No way you overcome that. And then you throw in our next topic, and there's a, it's impossible to overcome. Yes. All right. So, Hammy, thank you for the segue. You're welcome. We have to talk about the infield fly rule call. So let's start with this. Kurt, was the call defensible in any way? No. Hmm. I just I don't see how it is. And, and you know, they, they've, they've marked it out. It was 225 feet from 
home, which is, it's, I mean, it's, it's shallow left field. I mean, there is but, no other way. And, and I know that the, the infield fly rule has got deep extrapolations that can go into it, that even an outfielder can catch a ball and it still fall within the infield fly. Right. So long as the infielder is right next to him and right. could have made the catch, but the outfielder does. Yeah. But that ball, you know, he was, he was not under that ball to make the play. He was still going back on that ball. And, and the, the umpire, the umpire of the other rule is the umpire has to make that call immediately. And the umpire, you can watch him. He does not put his arm up until almost the ball hits the ground, which to that point, that to me, you've, you've missed your opportunity to make that call. If you're making that call, if you're making an infield fly rule call right there, you make that call. You, that's an immediate call. You don't have to wait to see what's going to happen because you can already throw up your arm and say that's an infield fly. And it was funny because I, I, I was sitting at a restaurant eating dinner and saw the pop-up and I was with some friends and a bunch of kids so they were all asking me what was going on with the game and I said oh he just popped up you know and then he was on base and I said oh my god they must have dropped it and then so I was sitting there watching watching and I and it was like what's going on what's going on and it and I couldn't for a while and then I just it came to me I said they must have called an infield fly on the guy yeah and it's it's an it's insanity and and no I I, I under no circumstances is is it defensible in any way Hammy? I, I mean, I would only give it slightly more defensibility than Curtis. I mean, I think it is the rule, right? I mean, I think that it's a judgment call. It's, he made bad judgment, but um, it wasn't as indefensible as, as uh, Herbeck pulling off Gant way back in the day, right? Like, just a blatant miss. He just called it late. Um, you know, he gave Kozma a little bit too much credit for, for being under it and his ability to catch it. Um, but it's, but it's hardly defensible. And, but what, what really, what really is horrible here, and a lot of people have said this, is the rule itself is, is not, it's, it's designed to protect the runners. And in this situation, it did not at all, right? right it, it, protected it protected the defense. The, fielders. the defense yeah. got to commit an error and still get the guy out. I mean, plain and simple, they committed an error. And got an out. Yeah. So, I mean, I propose a change, not to get it. I mean, the rule should be that if the ball is popped up and the infield fly rule is in effect, you, you're guaranteed the out if you catch it. But if you don't catch it, then everybody's safe. Mm. That should be it. Like, you have to catch it. If the infield fly rule, you have to catch it, but you can't drop it and, you know, do a double play or whatever. But I don't see why that's not the rule. If right, it's right. truly to protect the runners, you have to still make the catch. Yeah, it's no, I agree. It, it, again, if the intention is to keep an infielder from dropping it on purpose to get a double or a triple play, then, yeah, why, why don't you make it that? It makes sense to me. So, you know, I, I, I taped um, – whatever the MLB Network show is that recapped the game because I wanted to see their take on it. And Harold Reynolds thought that it was absolutely the right call. He talked about how the ump made the call at the right time because he, the ump, is supposed to wait until the ball reaches its highest point and then starts to come down. And then they – so they show the ball in freeze frame that it's now coming down. And then they show a freeze frame of Kozma raising his arm to say, I got it, I got it. And then immediately the ump signals um, infield fly. But it just doesn't make any sense. For one thing, the rule states, quote, could ordinarily have been handled by an infielder. 
If you run 47 feet out into left field, how can you judge that to be an ordinary play, right? And, yeah. and you know, kids on my 12-year-old's baseball team throw their hand out to say, I got it, I got it, all the time. And you know what? They don't got it. Yeah. <laughs> so for for the fact that he threw his hand out, that that just sort of blindly meant to the ump, oh, he's camped under it, he's got it, this is now routine, I'm going to call infield fly, just doesn't make any sense. But he never stopped moving, right? He was still, like, backpedaling right. and flailing. And, and, then, I also and wondered... then dove off because he heard Holiday call it. And look how far away the ball lands from him when he peels off. And he doesn't peel off when, when the ball is still – I mean, the ball is in the screen, you know, when mm-hmm. he pulls off. Right. And look how far it, it hits from him. Where is – my question is where is the cutoff line? If he's 225 feet from home, well, what if it's Rafael for call who can run really fast, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm – you know, I'm, I'm making a joke here, but I mean, does Rafael for call get more credit on an infield fly rule because he could run 275 feet out from home and, and make a play because he's that much faster than other shortstops? Right, but your point gets back to the could ordinarily have fielded, right. fielded it. Yeah. That, and it's not an ordinary play. I'm sorry. The guy is not making an ordinary that, – that, that, that is a shallow fly out to left field. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there were some awesome memes, memes. I still don't know how to pronounce that word. I don't think anyone's do meme. There were some awesome memes. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the credit. Uh, sure. Um, on uh, I'll try to drag you guys down with me. Um, of, of of like different pictures of Turner Field with like the infield, you know, halfway out into the outfield, or like a big bubble of dirt out into left field after the game. There was you know, yeah, some silver lining. Um, uh. All right, guys. So following the game, Joe Torrey. Of course, who who ruled on the um, in-game protest that Freddie filed? Joe Torre and the, the entire umping crew. What's that, Hammy? And who hates the Braves? Clearly, yes. You know, was us giving him the '96 World Series, which essentially kept him from being fired and turned him into a legendary manager? Was that not enough? I know, seriously. Okay, so Torre and the entire umping, the umpiring crew from the game, sat in a press conference after the game and resolutely stood by the call, defending it. We're all in agreement, they said. So is their defense of the call after the fact, after seeing replays, is that defensible in any way, Hammy? I, I mean, no, I don't think so. What are they going to do, though, right? I mean, for them, what, what, what's the, what is the alternative to do, right? They have to stand by their judgment in the moment. I think they could have manned up a little bit and said, you know what, it was a bang-bang play, it was close. I mean, because it, it was close, right? We have to give it – it wasn't like it was the most insanely ludicrous thing to ever have called the infield fly roll. I mean, I think all of our, you know, all of our comments are valid, but I still think it was close enough. But still to say, you know, it was close, it's a judgment call, in the moment, in the game, we felt that like it was the right thing. But I just felt like because they were so defiant in it, they lost even more credibility. Especially the guy Holdrick or Holbrook or whoever it was. Holbrook. Was absolute, Holbrook, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I wanted to throw a bottle at him. <laughs> yeah, it was beyond arrogant. You know, I mean, it made me think yeah. about, what was it, Jim Joyce, the guy that that, you know, made the wrong call at first base and took that person away. Yeah. Yeah. 
He handled it the exact opposite. Me too. And that's, he handled it with class. Like I, I made a mistake. I wish I could give it back to him, all of that. Um, and, and just like it's just – yeah, it's the way just you handle acknowledge it. Just acknowledge that it was not the cleanest moment in umpiring history. Acknowledge that it could have gone the other way. Something. Yeah, it, it, it made baseball look so bad you know, in so many ways, that whole... And, I mean, is there a possibility to give the guy any sort of leeway that, obviously, they don't normally have umps down the line except in postseason games? I mean, is there a possibility that maybe him being the guy out down the line, that he just kind of lost sight of how far back, that he wasn't umping third, that he was, in fact, you know camped out and down the line in left field and maybe just kind of perceptive wise he got lost in the fact that he was out there i mean that's the only thing i'm trying to find to give this guy a little bit of defense for is that he he's obviously playing in a position or umping in a standing in a position where he's not normally standing so maybe his judgment call and making that call was a little skewed by the fact of where he was standing but you know i mean all the entire crew got together and talked about it and you know that was the opportunity to change the call joe tory got in them and said we're not overturning the call there's Mm -hmm. no way that we're overturning this call Mm because it's a judgment call because it's something where i mean it's like a football where you can't you can't throw the flag but curtis i would counter because it's an interesting point but I would also counter is that guy is, like, getting paid to call foul balls. He's not even getting the call, did you go around on a third strike? So he's got nothing to do the whole game. Did he overstep his influence on the game? Another question. Like, so maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt was, like, he lose sight where he was. Or did he just, like, I want to I make a call? I mean, did the, did, third, did the third base um call? Afterwards. After he did. Right. He followed Holbrook's lead. You see yeah. Holbrook's hand go up, and then you see the third base's hand go up. And he's watching Holbrook yeah. when it goes up. Yeah. All right, guys. So the aftermath, of course, of that call is the 19-minute delay where the See, crowd, but you were there. I was there, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my arm still hurts. God. <laughs> um, you know, of, of all the bottles and tra- – there, we actually saw a couple of shoes, a couple of shoes go on in the field, which was just great. Um, yeah you know, get thrown onto the field. So the question here, right, is um, was this passionate outcry by the fans or was it a total classless move by the Atlanta fans? Hammy? See, but you, you, you go first. You're there. I want – because I, I have a point of view, but I was watching it in a bar where it was quiet. But I don't know. Okay. You go first. So let me preface this by saying that I am like a real stickler for – good sportsmanship. I mean, I get on my kids and the kids on our baseball team and all that stuff. Like, I really have little tolerance for junk like, you know, bad sports. And your kids and your kids are with you at the game, right? Your oldest. Correct. My True. oldest and my youngest and my wife are with me at the game. Okay. I thought it was great. I'll be honest with you. I it felt like an absolute natural reaction to what was going on because remember that the Andrelton Simmons um, interference play from the stands, obviously, you know, very few of us have transistor radios in our ears. So all we see is what looks like a bad throw. Like I didn't even I didn't even note that it bounced off his helmet. Right. So all of a sudden it's an errant throw. 
we score two runs, we're up by a run, like it is the greatest, right? right? And then, no, 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 everything you thought is wrong and actually it's worse. And then that happens again with the infield fly, you know? So there was, you know, there was all this tension and anger and all that stuff, even from that first play, even though it was right. I'm not saying the call was wrong. Um, I just thought it was this great, passionate display from the Atlanta fans. The crowd was amazing that entire game. And it just, it felt like a natural thing to happen. Now, I will say that it went on too long. Like once the initial, the initial crush of bottles went out, you know, and the grounds crew's out there and they're starting to clean up and then people keep throwing stuff. And the grounds crew kept looking up at the, at the stands like, <laughs> come on. Come on, man. I got to clean that up, too, now. You've made your point. Yeah, you've made your point. But aside from that, um, yeah, I I have no problem about it. And I feel like all the people who are like, oh, classes, you know, it's kind of pious and arrogant. Yeah, totally. So I was sitting next to a guy in a bar who was a Cardinals fan um, who I quickly threw a bottle at after he said this. but he was just like he it, pious and arrogant. CB is the perfect way to put it because you know I overheard him and he's like, you know, Cardinals fans would never do that, and I was like, Braves fans, I've never ever seen anything like that from Braves fans, and so I felt it was totally justified too. But I would, I was like, I, you don't know. I bet they would in this kind of situation where you're at a live game, you don't have that sort of replay, freeze frame, yeah. 10 million analysts getting to watch it and explain, over explain everything. Cause I did, cause I was the same way cause I didn't have the sound and I did have the, the replay. I was like, you know what? I, I, it, it doesn't look great, but I totally understand it. And I think you can't say that – I think any fan base would have done that. I don't think it was classless by Atlanta. I think they were frustrated by the errors. I think they were frustrated by the way things were going against them, lost opportunity. And all of a sudden, here was just a screw job call, and they got mad. And, and I, I think they – Go yeah. ahead, Amy. Well, I, no, I, and that is that – and good for them. Like to show passion like that, I was sort of proud of them. I was proud of us as fans to show up and show passion and some real heart. And and I think it was all – I mean, you know, we, 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 we talked about how little success there's been in the playoffs since whatever, 2001. And it was yeah. all about that too. You know, all that was rolled up into it. I thought it oh, was it's, – It's even more than that. It's, it's – it's Lonnie Smith not scoring from first because he got yeah. deep by Chubb Knocklock. It's it's Ken Herbeck pulling Ron Gann off of first. It's it's Otis everything. not being safe. Yeah, yes. it's Jim Laritz. It's 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 a total. And look, if the Hawks fans could do it, they would throw stuff. I mean, it is total built up, pent up frustration. And I think that so many people in that stadium, just like the three of us last week, really truly bought into the Braves this year. Yeah. They were not so much. You know, a couple of years ago, they knew the injuries going on. They knew that we had to play Brooks Conrad in the field. We booed that one guy, unfortunately, which I thought was classless. I don't find any issue with this whatsoever. And I, it's just another thing. It's it's that everything is it, that the baseball gods play against the Braves. And and I look, you know, I, if I would have been there and I had been close, I I freely admit that. And the funny thing, somebody, I, I, Steve, I think it was you that retweeted something because it popped up on Atlanta Baseball Talk. But 
of an article when the Cardinals fans got pissed about something and threw bottles on the field. Yeah, and, they, and, and Holbrook was in the middle of that, too. So, to him, so, you can tell your Cardinals fan friend. Just stick it up, frankly. Whoa, whoa. Wow, heard, whoa. Oh. Yeah. So, but oh, I... Sorry, you know, for the, sorry for the beep there. It is, it is <laughs> just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, since 1991. It's just the frustration had finally peaked, and, the, and it, it took that long for Atlanta fans to finally... Uh, have had enough, and I, I think that that's what that was, is that they had clearly had enough. And but you got, you I got to say, go, go ahead. I was going to say, ahead. that, and I, I, was, I was talking to Ballpark Frank on Saturday, who was also at the game. We both are so happy we were at that game. I, I, you know, as awful as it was and everything, I am so glad I was there for that whole moment, and just the, that place was rocking. I mean, it was really an amazing scene in that stadium the entire game and to be part of the bottle throwing and just everything else that happened i will never forget that game it was an amazing amazing moment in braves history well sadly again we go back to this but steve you and i were at game three against the giants that place was going nuts Mm -hmm. when he hit that two-run homer that's as loud as i've heard a stadium in a long time we lost i'm sure that chipper game on friday night when they retired you know when he was that was his final game and they did all that stuff they lost that game (laughs) i mean once again it's kind of the braves disappointing a lot of people when they have the opportunity to really do something great for a lot but i hope i hope it marks a uh, I, I don't know, a milestone in sort of fan character development. Like, I wonder, and it's going to be tough, and we'll talk about this next show, about sort of we are truly turning a, a new to a new chapter of the Braves. But, I mean, does this, does any of this passion carry over, right? Like, I love the chipper line that, you know, people get down on us all the time, that we that Braves fans have no passion, and now we do this, which, what do you want from us, right? That whole, and there was a, there was a lot of talk along those lines but i don't know i hope that i was i was just i, I don't in some ways is is just heartbreaking as the loss was i just was i was like we were as a true sports fan you know not and i and obviously you don't want someone to get hurt it's a dangerous situation but like that that's expressing braves fans expressing themselves in a way i've never seen and i've been watching the braves since bob horner yeah, I mean, don't burn cars and don't throw couches out your windows that could kill people and stuff. But you know what? In, in the grand scheme of things, it was just a passionate outpouring, and yeah. it it you know it made the game delayed for twenty minutes. All right, so Kurt Taylor made question for you, and we sort of started in on it already. Where does Friday night's loss rank for you personally in the long litany of gut punch postseason you know moments for the Braves? Um, I think it's up there just because of the the hopes that I had for this team and the belief that I had that they had a lot that they could do, um, even with their limitations with the hitting and runners hitting with runners in scoring position and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I just felt like that their pitching had gotten to where it was so good um, that um, I felt like that they there were things that they could do. Um, you know, it, it, nothing will ever take away. The Laritz Homer and and game uh, game four against the Yankees. I mean that that's and that one that was game four. Yeah, was game it's three. kind of the foundation upon that, which that, that everything else is built. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's on the Rushmore of gut punch games. Um, but yeah, this I, I is, don't know. Yeah. This is top five, top six easily. I would say it's top four for me. I mean, I think that you, there's a lot of them that run together. I mean, 
I remember watching like the I think the Giants celebrate on the Braves field and Barry Bonds went to the you know I remember just Sheffield grounding us out like there's a bunch of gut punch losses that sort of blend together for me but the ones that stick out the Laird's homer absolutely the Lonnie Smith game Kurt that you talked about the Deke and that game we so should have won and then Charlie Liebrandt coming in. I mean just I, and I really that's a, can't. that's a World Series I mean that yeah. that, that costs you a World Series so yeah um, the the slow gut punch, so it's more of like a sort of a sticking a knife in the gut and then slowly twisting it, was the Eric Gregg game. I still remember where I was <laughs> against the Marlins and that just travesty of a game. Uh, and just the outrage. I mean, there's there's games that you're just frustrated that you lost, but the outrage. Um, and then this one. So this is a top four for me gut punch game. Yeah, I want to throw a couple more in there, which is the – in 2000, getting swept by the Cardinals, and that final game in Atlanta where we just laid down. We got beat 7-1. I mean, it, it looked like the team just didn't show up. And then again in 2003, getting dominated by the Cubs. You know, and that was the year with Chipper and Sheffield and Andrew and a, like, totally roided up Marcus Giles. Yeah. You know? And a totally roided up Javi Lopez. That's when he hit 40 home runs, I think. It was mm-hmm. that season. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was the same season. But again, totally laid down, lost in Atlanta. You know, it, to, you know, the one silver lining to me about the whole infield fly rule and the, and the 20-minute delay and all that is that the Cardinals smartly just ran off the field after they won. And we didn't yeah. have to watch another celebration on the field. You know, a small silver lining, but a silver lining nonetheless. So, guys, obviously Friday night when we've talked about it, how angry we were, how emotional it was. I mean, I know that I left that game more angry than anything. And, you know, so let let me pose this question to you. What do you hate more now (laughs) than you did before the game was played on Friday? Because I know I've got a few. (laughs) It's a funny question. <laughs> I'll start. All right. Okay. <clears throat> I hate the Cardinals more than maybe any other team in in the National League now, and it's because of the reports that in the clubhouse during their celebration they were chanting "infield fly rule." Yeah. Like seriously, I now hate the Cardinals more than anyone in the NL East. I don't care. I wish nothing but you know, losses and gut punches to the Cardinals for the rest of my life. Yeah, it was a weird feeling today being happy that the Nats won. I am, uh, I'm the biggest Nats fan right now. I really am. I really you am. And Kurt's, you and Kurt's son. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and the other thing is, is MLB and Bud Sealing. Like, you know, uh, th- this is not revisionist history because I said this, whatever, three weeks ago. The one-game playoff is so ridiculous. I mean, a 94-win team, for it to all come down to one game, it's just not yeah. baseball. It's just, it, you know, for all the good and all the extra teams that are in it down the road, you know, you know that down the, the last couple of weeks of the season, all of that, it's just like a mockery of baseball. It really, it really is a mockery of the 162-game of season. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and- and Chipper, um, I mean, a lot of people called it for a lot of the same reasons, but his quote that he said, I think it was like three or four weeks ago, was so present. It was like, you know, it just can come down to a bad play, a blown call, or not getting a hit. Mm-hmm. 
and I was like, "You just described the whole game yes. like that was <laughs> that was the game. It came down and, to and, all and, of the, the, Bra- the Braves had that checklist in their dugout. Yes, and they're like, exactly. and done. It, it strangely became like billboard Six material. And, I know. Yeah, Captain got the hat trick. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I do. I and Stevie. You, you, I don't know. I can only hope. You're right. Bud Selig is driving revenue for the owners, so you're you really are just in the camp of it's going to be one game forever. There's no way. I just. Uh, but really? you know, another thing that I didn't even consider. It was a quote from Frank Wren uh, after the game. He talked about how the general managers were all uncomfortable about it, but no one would agree to like a best of three because then you penalize the division winner and make them sit around to wait for that wild card series to end before they get back into the playoffs and no one thinks that's fair that's totally fair why not why what's wrong with the break i don't know it it, it re, you know it's certainly a better situation it makes me that. feel like the whole regular season becomes pointless i'm real uh, i just i'm so sick about it yeah. I, I mean, am. what's so weird, though, is that I know and this is a I mean, if you're the Cardinals, though, so if we're the let's switch is flip the situation, you've got a puncher's chance. It's totally not fair to the top wildcard team, especially as you, if you think about how it was last year when the wildcard team was just another playoff team. Right. right. Um, but now they're not. Um, and so now all of a sudden the fourth best team and really the third best team. I mean, we had a better record than the Giants, I think, or at least equal records at the end of the season. Um and maybe I'm just making that up, but who cares? <laughs> um, you know that we're like done. that we're done. Who cares? Stop listening if you don't like it. Um, <laughs> don't stop us. listening. <laughs> By the way, gonna, seriously, we're gonna have a lot of seriously, a lot keep, of keep, keep listening, everybody. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of beeps on this show. I've been drinking steadily since Friday. <laughs> um, and now I just lost my point. But now, now all of a sudden, you're you know you're clo- you're more similar to a team that's that's much worse than you than the, the other playoff teams. It's just it's not fair for the fourth team. It's certainly everybody's going to say, well, it's fair to the fifth team, and it is. But it's just not how baseball should be determined. It's not how baseball should be. Curtis, what do you hate more? Surely you've got something. Um, I don't know. The threshold was pretty high coming in. I I hate that I allowed myself to buy into the Braves. I, I hate that I allowed my cynicism to uh, get sidetracked for a day or so. <laughs> oh my god, this is even more sad than I envisioned. would have been much happier <laughs> if I had just allowed myself to yeah, to uh, <laughs> doubt everything and, and instead I was led into believing that something greater was going to happen and of course it didn't. So. How could I have let hope and optimism yes. seep no. into my life Indeed. for a day? What a fur! If it makes you feel any better, I hate you a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. Well, I was going to say I hate myself a little more. Um, I, yeah, that you know the the system is stupid. Um, I, I don't know if you know. Obviously, it 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 hurts even more that the Braves are are on the wrong end of it. Um, I, it it just it doesn't it doesn't seem fair. And I know that that sounds whiny because we're sitting here rooting for the team that lost and the team that beat us finished six games behind us. And um, you know, but we didn't win the game. Um, so yeah. it's it's um, we had it laid out for us. I mean, we had our best pitcher and we got home field advantage and we had an insane crowd and all that stuff going for us and we didn't win the game. So. Um, you know, but let me, so 
All right. Well, I'll save it for the next. I'll save it for the next show. <laughs> All right. Save it for the next show. So, guys, let, let, let's end on a semi-positive note, which is that which team, if any, are you rooting for now in the postseason, Curtis? Um. Well, I pick Giants. Um, Tigers World Series, so I guess part of me... That At the beginning of the season you did? I did, yeah. So Pretty part of nice, Kurt. Kind of wow. rooting for that. Um, but yeah, I'm t- I, you know, honestly, I think I said it a while ago that I, I could totally root for the Nats. I, I find them a rootable team. I, you know, there's... Worth is kind of a sleazebag, but, you know, those guys seem very enjoyable. So, uh, DeRosa seems like a great guy. LaRoche, I know everybody when he played for the Braves loved him, so it just seems like a good bunch of guys. Um, and what's-his-face, the kid who i I'm bryce just, harper bryce harper seems like he's really shaped up a lot so um yeah and I, and of course I, I i can't stand the cardinals with every fiber of my being like you steve so i think it would be cool to have like a dc uh, orioles uh world series um i think that would mm-hmm. be fun Hammy? so i'm rooting for four of the remaining i'm not rooting for the yankees <laughs> and i'm not rooting for the cardinals how about that yeah <laughs> I'm rooting for the. Um, I mean, rooting for. I'm rooting for the O's and the A's um, the most, just because I just sort of like the. I, I like the sort of Cinderella ness of their team, and totally. they seem the most exciting. Um, I think the World Series is going to be the Reds and the Tigers, and I think the Tigers are going to win it. And I'm happy for Miguel Cabrera. I mean, he said that's a that's a nice story going on there. Um, but that's so. I, I'm I'm rooting for. I really want the O's to win it. Um, just so, just so the Yankees and the Red Sox shut up, um, and the you know, and um, but uh, I think the Tigers are going to beat the Reds. Are the O's and the Yankees playing tonight? Isn't that happening? they are? It is happening. To, yeah, so much. Should... Yankees were up. Yankees were up two zip on the top of the second, bottom of the second. Last I saw, okay. that was a, about an hour ago. All right. Yeah. So I'm rooting for any team that's playing the Cardinals. That's really my first. Ball, ball in the fifth. Sorry. Say it. What is it now? Two in the fifth. Two, two? Two, two. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, and then the O's. I mean, the A's, too, but the A's are clearly not going to get past the Tigers. Yeah, they're down 0-2. I would love, you know, one, because it would mean the O's beat the Yankees. And it's just a great story. Beautiful ballpark, great history, all that. I mean, there's just nothing not to like about the O's going far. But I may not watch much of any baseball. That's really the truth. I can't watch it. I cannot. I mean, I just... It's there on Sports Center or when I go online, but I really have no interest if even in the background watching. Yep, I'll check scores, and that's about it. I, I think I don't even know that I'll do that. I don't. Th- I don't know that I will watch one pitch or have one fiber of being that in me that's interested in baseball at this point. So, woohoo! Yeah, baseball podcast. <laughs> All right, so guys, let's talk schedule for a minute. So we will definitely be back next Sunday. Actually, Monday. we're going to be back next Monday. We'll definitely um, not be back next Sunday. Definitely not Sunday. Uh, next Monday with a 2012 season wrap-up show. And then maybe another, I don't know, if we, if we have the stomach for it, maybe we'll get a media member on to sort of wrap up the season as well. But So really what you need to do is follow us on Twitter at ATL Baseball Talk or check at the site or make sure you're subscribed to us on uh, iTunes or Stitcher so that you do not miss a show. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Sorry about how it all ended. And go Braves! Thanks for listening to Atlanta Baseball Talk, your weekly podcast for all things Atlanta Braves. To find new shows, to post in our forum, or to send a comment, please visit us at atlantabaseballtalk.com. Had to admit the problem, it's a hard thing to admit.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.